I have been on vacation now for a week, and I tell you what, it has taken me a little bit of time to catch up to what's going on, but eh, I got a Coley and a Kavanaugh standing by, so uh, I, I'm good to go. Coley and Kavanaugh brought to you by the Allen County Farm Bureau, talking about the bonus benefits when you become a member of your local Farm Bureau. Boy, you get a whole ton of really cool stuff, but best part is, I always say this, the Farm Bureau is fighting our battles on all of the important issues, taxes, waters of the U.S., broadband, you name it, they're on it. And the best part is they make sure that farm families can keep on farming and to keep it in the family. So support your local Farm Bureau by simply becoming a member. Go online to itpaystobeamember.org. Well, gentlemen, I'm counting on you to uh, keep me posted on what's going on, but uh, let's start out with this one. Corn planting across the United States basically wrapped up for the year, and even though we're a couple of weeks away from the June 30th report, maybe this is good for John, because John, you've been talking about the June 30th report. Talk is that the USDA script on planned acres has flipped, and now analytic firms, at least, are talking about 91 million acres of corn and about 88 million acres of soybeans here in the U.S., and that's opposite of what USDA originally came out with. Well, uh, that's true. There's there's quite a bit of discussion on what the acres are going to show, and maybe the one on the, on the June 30th is still not going to be uh, all that terribly accurate, but I still maintain I think we picked up some extra corn acres because when you get into last half of May, it was very favorable for planting, especially in Illinois and Iowa. Those two states, farmers are just love to plant corn. I think that the conditions were such we might have had some switching from beans to corn, picked up some extra acres. But then there are others who point out, no, but you got to look at the fact that the Dakotas uh, is going to have a lot of PP acres. Uh, they didn't get all the corn planted, and some of those acres are going to go to soybeans, and they lost corn acres, and corn acres are going to go down. So mixed feelings here. However, IHS Market, the former Informa, came out this week, and they increased their expectations for corn acres. They went from 89.5 million on corn to 91 million for corn. And they reduced their bean acres down to uh, just under 88 million. I think that's the trend that I like, but we'll find out on the 30th. It's not the final acreage number, of course, but it's going to give us a better indication than March. This is going to be a more significant number. David, I got to believe that weather was a big factor in this whole thing. You know, June may be the third driest in history is what I'm hearing. And, you know, you look at these 10 to 14 day forecasts, the 6 to 10 day forecast, all of them pretty much portend more hot, dry conditions. Yeah, I saw this one comment this week that they're looking for the dome of doom. You get this weather formation, it's a ridge because you're going to be getting hot and dry weather into July. And a lot of the forecasts I'm seeing, you know, into the first week of July, maybe out to July 15th. But for me, with the later planted crop, the corn won't be pollinated till the end of July, early August. So that's something to keep in mind. I'm also looking at the beans. They'll be doing well because, you know, they're phototropic. So they're going to do it whenever the day and the night length is the right time. So what really counts right now is to see how the weather turns, I say, for the last half of July into August. I hate to agree with you, but of course that's true. <laughs> I know it's awful. It's, I won't sleep well tonight. But it is true. I mean, uh, that's the key time period is during pollination. And so when we get into, the po- into that time period, then it becomes extremely significant. For all practical purposes, you only have about three to four weeks out of the year when the bulk of the corn yield is made. And that's coming up in July into early August. So the weather we're having now, who cares? It doesn't really mean very much. And what we're having now is favorable to Despite all this terrible heat we've had, we needed more heating degree days. And now we've gotten it. And the roots on the corn, because of the dryness, will dig deeper in to get the uh, moisture. That makes the crop a little more drought resistant if we turn dry in July. 
But, you know, we could use a little dab of rain right now for some of that later planted stuff that's only been out there in the field for eight to ten days. That doesn't look like it's going to happen, actually. John, you know, you've talked about good corn demand and everything, and new crop sales already record high, but uh, demand has slowed down. But then you get these domestic buyers that really seem to be pushing hard for coverage. Well, the basis is pretty stout, more so for soybeans than for corn, but corn basis is still historically strong. And that's a reflection of demand. It's a reflection of tight supplies and good, strong demand. I don't, I don't know where anybody's going to go up here and say there's a problem. Corn demand and soybean demand, I mean, there's some local problems here and there, et cetera. But overall, for this year, it's going to be a big export year for corn. Demand is good. It's strong. It's hanging in there. And we had a couple of flash sales, David. And I was surprised Costa Rica bought, what, 155,000 tons? Yeah, they bought corn. And Unknown bought old crop corn, too, which is undoubtedly going to be China. So, yeah, these flash sales have been very impressive lately. Mexico was the biggest buyer of corn, no surprise, 201,000. You also saw China, again, buying soybeans on the weekly sales, 267,000. Now, typically, they buy a lot more. But for a low week for export sales, that was a really solid number, I feel. David, I was really confused because there were all of these conflicting reports coming out, at least seemingly conflicting. We followed the palm oil because of the impact that it has on soybeans. So Indonesia elevates their palm oil exports. At the same time, we've got problems with labor in Malaysia to the point that it's starting to become a real issue because they just don't have enough labor because of some things that the government did there. Egypt now claims that they've got six-month supply of veg oil. China then lowered their veg oil import forecast, suggesting, I don't know, do they feel like they've got enough? But it's just a lot of confusing and conflicting reports coming out right now, David. Yeah, the market hates that. They like to pretty well know what's going to be happening. The big surprise to me, of course, was Indonesia, because remember, they quit exporting palm oil. That threw everything into a monkey wrench. And you know what happened there was they were promising the local people there'd be plenty of uh, palm oil available in the source. It wasn't. They were promising the price was going down. It did not. So I think they were smart to go to more export sales of palm oil. To me, the big factor there is it's a money deal for them. And the Egyptian oil thing doesn't surprise me because I've been reporting week after week. They tend to be a very consistent buyer of soybeans from us. And I've not seen them do that hardly ever. And apparently uh, they're developing quite a supply of soybeans and they can create some soybean oil from that. Plus, we also saw, John, that we had a record soybean oil yield. It was 12 pounds per bushel. If you look at the average on it over the past 10, 15, 20 years, it's probably somewhere in the vicinity of just a little bit over 11. So for whatever reason, the beans are full of oil this year. A lot of news coming out of South America. And John, you had mentioned Dr. Cordonier here a couple of weeks ago and some of the changes that are going on down there in terms of expectations. Apparently in the corn crop in South America has remained, I think, maybe better than what expectations are when we saw some of the weather issues earlier on. Yeah, that's correct. Uh, the indications are that as they get into the fields, the corn yields are a little better than had been expected, and they're starting to slightly increase their production estimates. Nothing major. And uh, David, I believe the same thing with the soybeans. Aren't they coming in a little bit better than thought? 
both ways. He increased both the uh, soybean crop to 23.1, that's up 2 million metric tons, and the corn to 110 million metric tons, up three. But his comment is these are still poor yields, but the good news about a poor yield is it actually is a little better than what they had thought. Okay, U.S. pasture conditions are rated at only 31% good to excellent. I got to believe that that has an impact or it will have an impact on feed demand going forward. And with this weather forecast for more hot and dry weather throughout the course of the summer, can't believe that U.S. pasture conditions are going to get any better. So what kind of impact on uh, feed demand, John? Well, I think you hit the nail on the head. I think that the implication is that the feed demand may be stronger than has been projected. You know, how how much more? I don't know. We'll have to see the numbers when they come through. Uh, but yes, common sense says that's going to increase corn for feed demand. Any indication in the June 30th report on that? Yeah, because you've got your grain stocks report on June 1st. And I definitely want to see that because remember, the hardest number to get on supply and demand numbers is demand for feed, John. That's very true. And so we have implied feed usage that come out. And you know, Allendale had a really good comment. Everybody wants to know the acreage numbers, but the most important one going forward in the last couple of years has been the most important is the grain stocks report. So yeah, we're going to get a pretty good idea of what feed use is going to be. The that big, is often the big number. That's often the number that counts the most. You know, Kansas has reported 2,000 head loss. Texas won't even say how many head they've lost. And then the cattlemen are all debating about this. They're saying the heat doesn't kill cattle. Well, yeah, right. Any big weather change for the cattle. They're a big animal and their bodies can't adjust to big changes in temperature that are quick. Big impact here is the pasture land being so poor, it's going to force the cattle early into the feedlots. Speaking of demand, we haven't talked about ethanol, but ethanol production remains pretty strong. The uh, the weekly numbers that came out were higher. Here's an interesting statistic. The four-week average of ethanol production is 19.8 million barrels per day for the last four weeks. That's up 2.3% from a year ago despite fuel prices at the highest average price ever. That's up over 60% on the price of gasoline, but ethanol production is actually up 2.3%. A lot of people that have the capability, this E85, you're seeing it out west, like three-something, four, low $4. If you're capable of using E85, they're using it. That's insignificant, David. You also have E30. Now, they're using that out west. Not they have right. that. Very, very E15, very, very E10. E15 is very low. Well, we're going to be seeing, I feel, better demand for higher ethanol gasoline at this point. It's just a reflection of the whole demand for gasoline, because you're talking about E15 and E85. Those are very small amounts that are being used. But all gasoline contains some ethanol. Yes. At least 10%. Yes. That's showing us, to me... It's saying, what's going on here? Despite this higher price of gasoline, we're seeing better demand for it. We haven't yet seen a slowdown because of the high price. So. Correct, yes. And that doesn't mean uh, two months from now we're not going to see a sharp decline. Well, and another thing, too, the uh, export market on ethanol has been expanding and, uh, you know, on purpose. True. I think the Grains Council has put a lot of effort into trying to find new markets for that. David, I saw that headline where uh, they lost a couple of thousand cattle just because of the heat. Last week's beef sales were at a 12-week low. Pork exports also down. Last week's sales, uh, what, seven-week low. What's going on in the livestock market? Yeah, that's basically driven by China because they have been a good buyer of pork, and then they've been drifting off. This last week, they only bought 3.8 thousand tons of pork. Mexico bought 14.7. Again, they've been the most consistent buyer. And then China did buy 4.6 4.6 thousand tons of beef out of 18.1. So, and again, that beef sale was 35% over a year ago. But what's happening is 
we're not seeing the retail demand we anticipated for Father's Day. That's been the big surprise because everybody's talking before, you know, Father's Day is coming up. We're, we're going to see excellent retail demand. We haven't seen that. The next holiday, though, that's really going to, I think, improve beef demand is probably Fourth of July. But the whole problem is right now that the beef market is so chaotic because you've got prices all the way from filet over $30 a pound all the way down to like 6 to $7 for your other cuts and then ground beef near $6. So I think the market is so right now what you call stratified that it's hard to gauge beef demand for the fact that some of these prices are so high, people aren't consuming that much. And it tends to throw the equation back instead of the choice cattle, which is your steak meat, is throwing it back to select cattle. And that's what we started doing this spring is the select cattle, your ground beef cattle, were doing better because of the price of beef was going up at that time. And I think we're starting to go back to ground beef again, not so much your steak meats. Yeah. Well, uh, we've spent uh, plenty enough time on the weather and what it means for crops, and uh, I am certain that we forgot something, and that's why we keep John Uh Kavanaugh around, because he's always got a final word for us. John? Well, the final word today is a little bit uh, on on a different course. Uh, I heard this this past week. If you want to see how much your corn is growing, Rather than getting out there with a tape measure and measuring it every day or every week, a real good way to visually and quickly uh, determine the amount of growth is to take some bright orange paint, some phosphorescent paint, Hold and it. paint the stalk a bright orange. <laughs> yeah. What? And then you can sit there and you sure. can look at it very quickly and see how much it's growing each day, each week, etc. Incremental, easy to see. Yes. So I thought that was a good tip to pass on to everybody. Oh, man. Paint that corn. Good project for uh, grandkids. Paint the corn (laughs) stalks. I still like that. Painting corn stalks. That's the kind of compelling information that you only get when you listen in to Midwest Ag and Coley and Kavanaugh's weekly update. Brought to you by the Allen County Farm Bureau. And I tell you, just in the past few weeks, the number of issues that are impacting farm families that are in front of Congress is just astonishing. And the good news is the Farm Bureau is there to speak out and make sure the voice of Midwest farm families is heard. You know, you do get a lot of discounts with your membership, so whether you're a farm family or not a farm family, you can support farming and that food that's on your table by becoming a member. The big benefit? The representation that the farm world gets in Washington, D.C. and at the State House with our membership. So give it consideration to support farming. Go online to itpaystobeamember.org. Podcasts by Federated Media.